Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast network, the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. This is EdUp EdTech, dedicated to interviewing leaders at the front end of technology and innovation in education, hosted by the amazing, the outstanding, the incredible Holly Owens. Now let's get to it and hear from your host, Holly Owens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of EdUp EdTech. My name is Holly Owens, and I'm your host. And today, I have a wonderful person as a guest with me. He is the Dean Emeritus of Online Learning at NYU's Tandon School of Engineering. And he's an author, and he does all kinds of stuff. He has a very long bio but he's also a very humble human. Bob Ubell is here with me today. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks very much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing about your experience in the online learning space, talking about your books, your publications, all the things you have done throughout your educational career. But first, give us the background. Tell us your story. How did you get into education? How did you get to NYU? Tell us about you. It's a very long, uh, winding history, and I'm delighted to talk about it. Uh, For most of my career, I was in publishing and in uh, scientific and technical literature. Uh, And that was until uh, about 20, 25 years ago when I went to uh, uh, Stanford University on a hunting trip for one of my publishers when I was in publishing. And uh, I was at that time um, head of new media because this was a time at the turn of the century, this century, when um, nobody knew what was gonna happen because of the internet. And the new media was a catch-all for things that uh, publishers and uh, other people in this field uh, were looking at and not really knowing what to do. Uh, they knew it was coming uh, and they knew they had to play a role, but they had no idea how that role, what role they were going to play. So I went out to Stanford and found there uh, a, a video streaming service that they were giving to local corporations in the Silicon Valley. It was the early days of actually online learning because the students were sitting in classrooms in um, the Silicon Valley companies while a professor was delivering lectures uh, on video in real time. And they could answer uh, their uh, questions and they could participate from their seats in the company auditoriums. I thought this was totally fantastic. Uh, I had never seen anything like it before. It was totally all, revolutionary, right? Yes, it's it like, was real time. And, and it was at Stanford and they had this big, uh, very fancy Hollywood style studio uh, uh, where the faculty uh, lectured from. And I ran all the way back to uh, New York uh, where I was working for this small publisher. And I said, you know, I just was out at Stanford and they have this wonderful thing, <clears throat> excuse me, 
and uh, and they uh, agreed with me that it would be good if uh, my publisher, the one I worked for at Stanford, got into a uh, collaborative effort, and um, Stanford would do the, the uh, videos, and my publisher would uh, do the textbooks and all the print material. I thought this was just gangbusters. Yeah, it sounds like it. So I, uh, I said this to my boss. I told him about my experience at Stanford, and he turned to me and said, you know, online learning does not have a future. What? So this <laughs> was, a, this was uh, all of my excitement. The balloon was busted. And I said to myself, I don't have a future here either if that's the way he thinks. He's so narrow and so uh, uncreative in what he's gonna do. And lo and behold, two weeks later, I was looking at the warrant ads in the New York Times. That's when the New York Times had warrant ads. They don't have any more, of course, uh, since digital warrant ads are, are their thing. So he was so, really uh, wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> yes, so, uh, and there was a, uh, an ad of, at uh, Stevens Institute of Technology right across the river in Hoboken, New Jersey, with a spectacular view of New York uh, on the Hudson River. And I, there was a job there for the head of web-based distance learning. Uh, so you can imagine, they didn't even know the, the, online, the, the term online learning yet. They called it web-based distance learning. And I applied for the job and guess what? With only a weekend in Stanford, I got the job. That's amazing. Uh, and I think the reason why I got the job was nobody had the audacity <laughs> without any experience, because nobody had any experience whatsoever in the online learning at that time. And so uh, they took a leap of hiring me with no experience, uh, since they didn't either. Uh, and uh, we built a very strong, uh, one of the first online learning programs in the country uh, at Stanford, at Stevens. Uh, and uh, we got lots of grants and lots of other things. And I was there uh, 12 years or something. Uh, we built many uh, online learning programs, uh, degree programs. I think 12, by the time I left, uh, we started with 23 online students and left with 3,000 uh, in the space of uh, 12 years. Uh, but my, my time came to an end. And uh, luckily, one of my colleagues at Stevens had moved to the president of NYU's Tandon School of Engineering. And he, um, I called him, I said, look, I'm, I'm leaving uh, Stevens. Uh, what do you think? He says, come on over, be the dean of online learning here at NYU. Daniel. Oh my gosh, that's so yes. nice. I love uh, it when people immediate. bring other people along um, yes. that they've, like you, like we were talking before this, that's fantastic. And he just brought you right over and said, here, just be the dean. <laughs> yes. yes, so uh, it was uh, for the next uh, also 10, 12 years, I was at NYU, it was a great experience. We built uh, also about 12 online learning programs, uh, degree programs, other things. We had relationships with lots of different schools. I ran three um, master's degrees in China, in Beijing, 
uh, on my master's degree. Actually, uh, not totally online. They were mixed uh, master's degrees, partially online and partially in Beijing. It was a thrilling experience uh, to be in Beijing at that time. Uh, China was not at its uh, peak at that time. There were also remnants of the old China that I was able to uh, uncover by uh, smelling the old world of China, which I love. I became a China fanatic, awesome. buying, buying things in shops. I, I can't show it to you now because we're on. Uh, we're not on video. We're I know this needs to be live. I, I, people I have said so many times that I, that I picked up in, in old old Chinese shops that I still live with and still love. Uh, those programs that I launched uh, in China, uh, two of them are still uh, active, and uh, lo and behold, uh, I'm a consultant now to a company called Beacon Education in Beijing. And they are looking to introduce the US online programs, degree programs in China, and I'm helping them. So that's my trajectory. Uh, there's lots more to say, but I think that's been a, a sort of a, an arc enough uh, for, this, for the people on this podcast to have a feel for uh, my career in online learning. Yes, and I love the fact that you were thinking that online was going to be a thing before it was even a thing, and how you you pivoted from that role and just like, well, if you're not forward-minded thinking, I'm going to jump somewhere else and look at the journey that you've been on. I think that's one of the things that is why I love educational technology and instructional design and online learning so much is because it forces you in a good way to think about the future and yes. what the possibilities are. So I love your story, Bob. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm delighted. It's, uh, it's been, a, you know, I'm, I'm now uh, emeritus, but I'm still doing lots of things. And uh, it's, it's based upon uh, a history of being involved with things that are. Yeah. Well, that I matter. Would, yeah, uh, the online learning education really matters, definitely. Yeah, education and the, and the things that matter. Education is, you know, always been a part of my life, and I can, I can see that it's always been a part of yours. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. I want to ask you something about your journey. So, you know, prior to us popping on and starting to record this episode, we were talking about how leaders and certain people don't get where they are without other people. So I want to know along your journey. Has there anybody who or whom has inspired you along the uh, way or mentored question. you? I would love to hear about those people. Okay. Actually, it was it's, it's a whole group of people. Uh, I don't know whether you ever heard about the Sloan Foundation. Oh, my God. Sloan C. Yes. 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 OLC yes. now. Yes, I'm a huge yes. fan. Okay. So <laughs> uh, the Sloan Foundation... Uh, uh, invited me uh, when I was uh, early days of Stevens Institute of Technology uh, to a meeting in a uh, townhouse in uh, Midtown Manhattan of uh, people who were thinking of launching or were already had launched some online learning programs. And I had no idea who they were. 
uh, I got an invitation, I went there. It was a beautiful, uh, elegant building uh, where uh, leaders of online learning at that time, which very few, uh, were talking about best practices in online learning. And uh, I, I was fascinated by the whole thing. Um, at the end, when we were all milling around, <clears throat> um, the head of the division at the Sloan Foundation uh, came over to me uh, and uh, said, are, are you up for lunch in a, in next week, perhaps? Uh, I said, sure, you know, let, let, let's talk. And he, uh, we had lunch in, in a Chinese restaurant nearby, an uh, Indian restaurant, because he was Indian uh, nearby. And um, he, uh, he wanted to know what I was doing. And I told him that I was launching two or three online learning degree programs at Stevens. And uh, I, I, I felt the enormity of it and the almost foolishness of me to, to think that I could do that. Uh, when so few people have actually achieved that. Uh, so he turned to me and he said, you know, I'm gonna give you some money. And you know, that was what the Sloan Foundation did at that time uh, was giving money uh, grants uh, to uh, universities that were thinking about launching online learning programs. And uh, the Sloan Foundation was going to uh, seed it. And he gave me, I, I think it was, uh, $250,000 at that time. What? Oh my and gosh. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> right, right on, right over, right over lunch. He gave me, you know, he said that you could have $200,000 for this. And I, I ran to uh, my boss at, uh, at Stevens and uh, he was uh, completely, not only surprised, he didn't believe it. He said, nobody gets a grant over lunch. Right. You have to, apply. You have to, do you have to write this long, like yeah. paper, a dissertation exactly. to get a grant. Yeah. So, uh, what happened since? I you know, uh, of course, I did get the grant, and, and it was significant. I used it significantly to build uh, ultimately twelve uh, master's degrees online. Uh, but uh, I was also invited uh, at that time to a summer workshops at Lake George in upstate New York that was run by the Sloan Foundation. 30 people were invited and I was among them. And uh, the people who uh, attended the Sloan Foundation workshops were the creme de la creme of early times of online learning. And uh, for two or three weeks, we, um, no, I think it wasn't two or three, two or three days, we were up uh, at Lake Chilbert on this beautiful spot. And uh, every day there were lectures and we, uh, all of the things that were beginning to percolate in online learning were being discussed at that time uh, about uh, active learning, about how to stimulate students you don't see or hear. Uh, of course, it was all at that time. You didn't have video streaming. You didn't have all these things that are now uh, common. Uh, it was mostly text-based. And uh, um, so uh, all of the things that are now commonplace uh, 
um, are uh, were just being launched then. So the people I met who are now deans and uh, uh, senior uh, faculty and uh, leadership all across the country uh, taught me my what to do because I was a novice. I had no idea. I had no training. I was not an educator. Uh, they became my mentors, yeah. and still to this, these, this to, still to this day, uh, they uh, are close to me and have become deep, close friends. And on my, on the back of, of my book uh, that uh, was just came out, staying online: How to Navigate Digital Higher Education by uh, Routledge. Uh, two of those people uh, are did the blurbs for my book. Uh, one of them, of course, uh, is a noted uh, woman in, in this field who just died, uh, and um, my, uh, I was as stressed by her death as if she were one member of my family, Karen Swan, and another leader, Eric Fredrickson, who's uh, associate vice provost uh, of online learning at the University of Rochester wrote uh, my blur blurbs for my book. So uh, they go back uh, uh, a quarter of a century and uh, uh, they, they still are as close to me as they were then. And they are as close to me as my brothers and sisters. This is such a great episode already. And I'm just sitting here and loving hearing you tell the story of like pre online learning, what we know it today. Like you knew you were on the cusp of something great. And even though certain people, you know, after you got into your group, though, people around you before that didn't know that you kept pushing forward. And I'm just, I'm just sitting here in all of you right now, because I feel like you're, you know, one of those, uh, you're a change maker, you're, you know, a, a celebrity in this space and just reading about you online. I try not to do too much research, but it's hard when someone like you, Bob, who've, who's, you know, done all the things that you've done and been in, you know, with OLC and, and all those different things, it's hard not to find things about you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, i i've been doing embarrassing no it's it's a good thing actually because um i think you should take it as a compliment that so Thank many you. so many Thank things you. exist about you and that you know your story is being told um you know i always think when i talk about that uh like your story being told i think about the musical hamilton and you know being a part of the story and the the narrative and all that stuff and you are so a part of that and I'm so glad that you're here. Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, your uh, saying those nice things about me. But I have to say, your earlier question about my mentors. Yes. Uh, you don't do it alone. Uh, you don't get uh, to be, uh, you know, have all of those items on the internet about you without a... Uh, a huge support, um, not only from the Sloan Foundation, but all the people who I, I worked with at, uh, at Stevens, at NYU and elsewhere. Um, of course, I'm not a techie. 
Uh, actually, I'm a pretty lousy techie. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes the, the, uh, the ideas that percolate uh, where I work at NYU and at, at, at Stevens, many of the ideas came from the people I worked with. And in my book, I, uh, in the acknowledgments section, I shout out the people who uh, identified things that I had no idea about, like virtual teamwork. It was an idea I had no idea about. And eventually I uh, edited a book about virtual teamwork, but it was not an idea that I had. It was an idea that came percolating from people who worked with me at Stevens. Uh, similarly, uh, ideas uh, about uh, active learning. I didn't know what active learning meant until somebody at, uh, at NYU, who now is elsewhere, uh, started talking about active learning and it, it made so much sense. And uh, it became uh, part of uh, a chapter in uh, staying online. And it became part of the DNA of online learning. And uh, I taught a course at the new school and it was all based on theory of active learning. So uh, these ideas that are now commonplace uh, in online learning were not ideas that I initiated. I don't think I initiated any of them. I think I just ran with them. Yeah, when you were just talking with your your friends, your your family, that's as you said, it, it came from that. So. I love that you give the credit to the team, the, the team effort of how these things came about. And now I really want to go into talking about your, your book. You have more than one book. Yes. Um, so most recently you released the staying online, how to navigate digital higher education. And you released it at right smack dab in the middle of a pandemic. And I want to know a little bit about what, what compelled you to write this book um, and you know, what sorts of things are you hoping that people take away from it? It's a good question. It's a, it's a, a two-part question. So let me answer. Yeah, go ahead. Answer the answer the first part. Um, when I graduated from college, um, my brother was a, uh, a journalist. He he was on the uh, science editor of uh, the. New York Herald Tribune when it, when it uh, was uh, a very active and important periodical in uh, New York, uh, the daily newspaper in New York. And then he went to CBS and he became the uh, science uh, newscaster on, on CBS. But at that time, I was just a young um, kid out of college and uh, he was more experienced already as a editor and as a reporter. And he took me along and said, well, why don't we write articles together? Uh, and I became a freelance writer after uh, college and uh, wrote a lot of articles about science, about the uh, crazy things, about uh, um, the uh, language of short order cooks in New York, uh, about uh, how, uh, how workers underground in the subway live and work, uh, among other things. And so uh, 
after I left NYU, I thought maybe I should start writing again the way I did when I was uh, 19 or 20. And I did. I, uh, I went to um, folks I knew at uh, Inside Higher Education and at EdSurge. And uh, I became, a, a, I wrote articles for them and I became a columnist for EdSurge. So what happened was uh, over uh, a two year period, uh, since I wrote mostly uh, once an article a month, I had sufficient material for a book. And there you so go. I, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I put them all together, uh, not one after another, uh, but I had themes that I thought were interesting. Uh, some of the themes are very current today. Uh, uh, MOOCs, uh, OPMs, uh, and other things. And uh, so there are chapters on each one of those, and there are chapters on how to, how uh, my experience in online learning, uh, how I, I taught at uh, the new school, and, uh, and other things that are important to, to online learning, including um, the theory of teaching, uh, active learning. Uh, people like uh, Lev Vygotsky, who, who was a social theorist uh, uh, out of Russia, Jerome Bruner. Yes. Uh, Jean, Jean Piaget, uh, Paolo Freire, and John Dewey, uh, among others. Uh, so I used uh, the theories that those giants uh, promulgated. And uh, uh, so my, my uh, there's a huge chapter in my book that goes through those theories and integrates them with how I taught at um, the new school. And these articles uh, uh, that I published in, in Inside Higher Education and EdSurge and elsewhere uh, were uh, merged into chapters under different themes. So individual articles, only a few individual articles pop up in, this, in staying online. Uh, most of them are merged into thematic material. Uh, so, uh, uh, I took that idea to uh, Routledge, who had published my previous book, Staying Online. Uh, actually, the title for uh, Staying Online comes from my grandson. I was stuck after- That's uh, so cool. Yeah, a after I uh, published uh, Going Online about seven years ago, I was stuck with what kind of title this new book would have. And so I met uh, with uh, Ben, uh, you know, somewhere downtown in New York. And I uh, told them I was uh, completely without any ideas as to what my next book should be. So he said, Grandpa, what, what was the title of your previous book? I said, going online. And within a flash, he said, staying online. So. <laughs> There, there you go. That's why we keep the young people around. <laughs> yes. so, so my grandson, Ben, uh, deserves a call out uh, for that title. And it actually is, was prescient. He didn't know it at that time because this was before the uh, pandemic. And it turns out that staying online is absolutely right for this time because especially during the pandemic, uh, teacher, faculty, and students, and everyone is online. 
Um, so uh, what also, what, what I wanted in answer to your second part of the question was I wanted it to have an underlying uh, central idea. And the central idea is that online learning today is an ethical practice. People who work full-time, who are not able to come to college, the online possibility is essential for their future, is essential for their economic future, and is essential for their cultural future. Without online, uh, thousands, tens of thousands of uh, students would never have any opportunity uh, to partake, partake in American, at the top of the American culture, the top of the American economy. Yeah. Because they would still be uh, only high school graduates. And as we know from the literature, as we know from uh, government agencies that report this, if you're just a high school graduate, your chances of participating in the American economy go down and down and down. Today, over 40% of the American workforce has college degrees and it's growing at a faster and faster rate. There was a time when most workers in industry, all they needed was a high school diploma. But today, if you only have a high school diploma, only 25% of American workers uh, are working today with a high school diploma. Yeah. So you can see the, the difference landscape. between the yeah. lifetime, the difference between the lifetime earnings of a person with a high school diploma uh, is over a million and a half dollars. Wow. So, um, the landscape has certainly changed. Yes, the, the, the demand for uh, quality workforce with a college degree is as strong as ever and in, in growing stronger. So those people who work all day long at jobs, the online learning is their path to a real uh, working life, and social life and intellectual life. Yes, so well said. Um, and I love the way you explained it, how before what it was like, you know, having you would have your high school degree and that would be something that could be used and translated into the workforce and then it's grown into these degrees. Um, this is such a wonderful story and such a wonderful information about where online education has started and where it is and you putting out these books and sharing that knowledge with people i'm sure they're super grateful as i am grateful that we have these resources so we can see that sometimes maybe we feel stuck and we feel like things don't necessarily not moving in the right direction but they really are they're still moving you know kind of like people say the years go by yeah. slow but the days go by fast or the years yes, go by fast, yes, or the days yes, go by slow, whatever exactly, one exactly. You're, you're at today. So that kind of situation. Now, and let's let's 
let's start wrapping things up here because I'm sure you and I could talk all day about this stuff, which would be a true pleasure. But I want to know from you, um, is there anything that we missed? Anything else that you'd like to share about yourself, your books, um, your job at NYU and all these different things that you're doing? And also from your perspective and where you sit now, what does the future of education look like? So did we miss anything, anything else you want to share? And then what does the future of education look like? Uh, interesting question. I think everybody has some idea about uh, post-pandemic, uh, what it's going to look like. I think uh, pre-pandemic, the leadership in higher education was very skittish about online learning. Uh, they thought it was uh, a lesser degree, a lesser form of education. Uh, most leadership in American universities had no experience with online learning whatsoever because they are from an earlier generation. Many have no experience with the digital world at all. Right. Uh, they grew up uh, in a, uh, a time uh, when face-to-face uh, -face learning was, was the only thing. And uh, so, uh, they resisted, many of uh, the leadership resisted the uh, advent of online learning and didn't pay much attention to it. And it didn't uh, invest in what was necessary uh, in uh, digital education. When the pandemic came out about, it was absolutely clear that those schools that had experienced those schools that had infrastructure, uh, that had leadership, that had faculty who could move, on, move online immediately, they were way ahead of everybody else. Of course, the wonderful, Absolutely. Thing, the wonderful thing about American education as opposed to education in many places elsewhere, uh, the US uh, higher education world was able to go online because of uh, the technology that was in place within three weeks. It was a miracle that that happened. But it was the pandemic that woke up the American higher education leadership that this was a necessary uh, change, a necessary movement in American higher education. And uh, today, I don't think there's one president, one provost, certainly no um, board of trustees that uh, doesn't see online learning as a necessary investment in yeah. online education. I hope there everybody does. <laughs> I see things out there now that people are wanting to go back to in person and they're trying to, you know, I don't want to say debunk, but kind of take away from online learning because what for first happened during the pandemic was emergency remote teaching. That's not yes. online learning. And people tried to like create a negative feeling around that. And I think if people are knowledgeable enough or they have this experience, you know, that you have or teaching online or being in an online program, they will understand what happened at the initial onset of the pandemic was not online learning. It was rushing to get everything virtual so that students could still have access to resources. Online learning takes a lot more thought and process exactly behind right. it 
So I, I ask the, the listeners uh, to buy staying online because what you just said, uh, there's a full chapter on that. The full yeah. And I urge you to read the, the opening chapter on what happened uh, in the pandemic in those first weeks and months and uh, why it didn't work as well as everybody hoped and why it can. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to put in the show notes the links to all your books and the most recent one too. Um, so I think what you're saying here is online is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. No, I think it's a... a, a full-time partner uh, with on-campus. There's face-to-face -face and there's online. And they'll be together uh, for, the, for the next century. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Bob, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your story and talking about your book and just you know, going through the evolution of how things started with Sloan C that's now OLC um, and how your impact on that part of what we all know today as online. We're so grateful for people like you who think forward and who try to propel education forward and keeping the learners at the center and making sure that they're getting access to what they need to. So thank Absolutely. you so much. It's great being here. You're a terrific interviewer. This was a wonderful experience for me. Uh, I, uh, I'm delighted to have had this opportunity. And uh, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for asking such uh, important and serious questions. You're welcome. Well, that wraps up another episode of Ed Up Ed Tech. You've been listening to another episode of EdUp EdTech with your host, Holly Owens. You can follow Holly on LinkedIn. You can also visit her website at jollyholly.me to find out more about what she's up to. Please head to Apple or wherever you download your podcast content and leave us a rating, review, and please subscribe to be notified of future episodes. This has been another incredible episode of EdUp EdTech with your host, Holly Owens.